0: Spend time in any city, and the magnitude of the homelessness crisis is clear and plain to see. Recent reports on the UK alone show some truly distressing statistics, and the tendency is to stick one label on all those less fortunate souls, to simply call them the homeless. But these are diverse groups of people, with different experiences of life, people of all ages, all ethnicities, from all areas of a city, and thankfully there are those who do take the time to look closer, and to see those homeless people as the individuals they are. Two such people are Marie and Sal, our guests on this episode. Marie is CEO and founder of the fabulous Choir With No Name and Sal is an ambassador and member of the choir herself. We hear how the Choir With No Name not only brings homeless people together to sing but also to sit down and share a meal together, creating a much needed sense of community and belonging. Their work is transformational and inspirational. And we're humbled to share it with you here on One of the Eight.
1: But I think what we can do is kind of look at that positive aspect of people's lives and really talk to them about what they love and what they love doing and and bond over the kind of good stuff like music and eating together and, and that kind of thing, basically.
0: I'm Jake Worley and this is One of the Eight. Bringing you the real-life stories of real-world people, the things they have achieved, and the things that have inspired them. Hi guys, in today's episode on the One of the Eight podcast, it's time to introduce you to some fabulous souls behind an incredible initiative. I'm joined by Marie, CEO and founder of The Choir With No Name, an organisation that runs choirs for homeless and marginalised people across the UK. We also have the privilege of being joined by Sal, who is one of the organisation's Liverpool choir members and an ambassador. So, Marie and Sal, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much. Hello. Thanks, Jake.
0: So, let's start with some introductions. Marie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your story is?
2: Sure. So,
1: yeah, my name's Marie and I founded the choir with the name, it was the, the first choir that we had in London. Uh, 13 years ago now, which seems incredible to wow. me. I don't know where the time's gone. Um, but my my background before that was that I was working um, in a homeless service provider um, called St Mungo's in London. And then I'd been a musician for years as well. I was a musician as a kind of uh, dual career, I guess. So um, so I'd started as a saxophone player, but had become a choir director as well. So I kind of had these two strings to my bow, basically. and And, um, and that's where the idea for the first choir
2: came from.
0: Okay, fabulous thank you, and what about yourself, Sal? What's your story?
2: um I've been involved with the Liverpool choir i think for i'm not i can't remember exactly maybe two or three years now um so yeah, and I've also like you said i've I've become an ambassador for the choir, so i've um been helping the choir with sort of outreach
0: work and things like that as well okay, brilliant. Well, thank you both for joining me. I can't wait to find out more. Um, and Marie, you, as you mentioned, you have a background in working with a homeless hostel provider, and you've also got your your background in music. So clearly, starting the choir with no name seems like a logical thing to do. But what what actually what was the motivation behind it? What really got it going? I
1: yeah, think there was a couple of things. One was quite personal, and in a kind of um, like in a career sense was quite personal. Like I was looking for something new to do, I think, and, and, the, and a new challenge. Um, and then in terms of the kind of impetus, I guess, like I had been, when I'd moved to London, I had, um, joined a gospel choir, uh, and found a really, you know, a really sort of amazing group of friends who I'm still friends with now. And, and who kind of, I, you know, really found a community with and found somewhere where I really felt I belonged. Um, and working in homeless services, I think you, you, it's quite obvious and there's lots of research to prove as well that quite often that sense of belonging and that sense of community can be missing from, from some of the people who are facing, you know, tough challenges in their lives, basically. So from that perspective, it felt like a, a logical thing to do to, to try and kind of create that sense of community effectively. Um, and then in terms of the actual kind of starting story, I was doing some, I did some voluntary work for an organisation that work in theatre with them. Um, with prisoners and ex-offenders and the guy who was running that organisation offered me the space to use Now, at that point I kind of had no no excuse not to if you know what I mean because I okay. had the choir directing skills I had you know a friend who could play the piano and some other friends who'd be willing to come along and, and help cook dinner and and uh, so it all kind of went from there basically.
0: Oh, Incredible and um, I've got to ask it from the very beginning can you tell us a little bit more about the name of the choir?
1: yeah that's an easy one it's an easy one to answer actually because when I when I first advertised so we kind of you know we got this group of people together who who wanted to make it happen effectively like I was just saying and then um I didn't want to name the choir myself because it felt like it should that should be something that the people in the choir would have ownership of um so I called it the choir with no name yet in brackets and in on the recruitment posters basically um and so then about sort of 6 weeks into rehearsals when we were starting to get some momentum and there was some you know kind of regulars who were coming back we had a vote about what to call it um and so people had pitched in ideas and one of the ideas was to keep the choir with no name basically and and then people voted on it and and uh, and that was the one that won the vote and i think it was <laughs> it was popular because Everybody was saying, well, not everybody, but, but some of the choir members at that point were saying that I think um, sometimes if you've experienced homelessness, you feel quite anonymous and like another kind of person who's either walked past on the street or is just another kind of statistic in a service, if you know what I mean. So, so it came from there.
0: Wow. And what was the first rehearsal like?
1: Uh, very sweet, actually. <laughs> um, there, was, uh, there were four choir members, still remember them. Um, and I don't think any of them are still involved now, but they were involved for a quite a long time, all four of them. Anyway, we we kind of had a conversation about what they wanted to sing, so we kind of really just, it was very relaxed. Like we sang through quite a lot of songs in a kind of not particularly hard work on the music kind of way, just a bit of a sing song. And we had, um, and, I, and the there the were two people who'd come to cook dinner and they joined in the singing for a bit as well, and then we had. Um, spaghetti bolognese for tea (laughs) Uh, and um, yeah it was all kind of because it was such a small group you can be very sort of fluid and and um, you know relaxed about it basically so it was just a really nice way to 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 start it off to kind of get together and work out what happened next
0: and so it's grown from originally being something that started in London as you mentioned it's grown into quite a few cities How, how did you manage to kind of grow and scale it up
1: that's an interesting question at the moment actually, because we're we're just approaching a or we're we're sort of on the cusp, I think, of the second stage of growth, which I can talk about in a second. But but the first growth I okay, came, I guess, came in twenty eleven, which is when we started up in Birmingham. And at that point it like so from two thousand and eight to two thousand and eleven it was a kind of it was a sort of voluntary project for me and um and I guess it when it was it was great, but it was quite grassroots and not that kind of um formal I guess and then at the point when we realised that it was going so well that we should probably open the opportunity up to more people um in in more places that was when we started up in Birmingham and Birmingham was an obvious choice I think partly because it was the second biggest city par- uh partly because there was you know there is um a kind of significant homelessness population basically and partly because I had a really good friend who lived there who I could go and stay with so it didn't cost right. me anything in you know, <laughs> hotels it was still a very kind of grassroots uh um point so um so anyway yeah that was it basically like we kind of made sure that we uh, I went I went through some learning to work out what it was about the original choir that was successful like why it did feel like a really lovely community and and what how we would replicate that without it all being centered around me I think because that was the you know that that was um because at that, at that point there was only me sort of you know um and, and our um and a group of volunteers running the one in london so so yeah i mean i had a really amazing chair of trustees from 2011 to 2018 um who was a really experienced charity chief exec and she has taught me so much about scale and about you know like making sure that you you're replicating something that's not all based on you know the strengths of one person effectively but that can be really um you know, that you're delving down into exactly what it is that creates that sense of community, so you can make sure that you get that elsewhere and that sort of right. thing. So, so uh, yeah, she was incredibly helpful.
0: And another city that it's grown close to, is one that's close to my heart, is Liverpool. And I think that would be a nice time to bring you in, Sal. Could you tell us a little bit about how your journey with Choir With No Name started?
2: Yeah, I heard about the choir... Um, I think I heard about it first of all. I I was um, I was at a a festival, a mental health festival, and I saw Mersey Wiley perform, and she's our musical director, and and I really enjoyed her performance, and I got chatting to her afterwards, and I was asking her a bit about the choir, and you know what was the, you know how how I might be able to join and. So it was it was through meeting Mersey really, and but I had already heard about the choir. I can't remember how I heard about it, but um, so yeah, I just went along and gave it a go, and and I've
0: just loved it ever since, really. And what what's your role as an ambassador?
2: Um, I've I've done various things. Um, I've, I've been involved in. Um. Well, things like this kind of media stuff, you know, radio and um, been on the news, on the TV and done the interview on the radio um, and also been involved in some sort of workshops with different um, like community organisations. So we've gone out and we've sort of done singing workshops and partly to just you know, to as a kind of a well-being event, but also, you know, to let other people know about the choir who might want to join. Um, I'm just trying to think what else I've done. Um,
0: <laughs> it sounds like a fantastic set of things you've done already.
2: Yeah, it's been really good being an ambassador. It's It's been nice to, to sort of get more involved and, and, yeah, just to have the opportunity to do different things through the choir, really.
0: And it, do you feel a lot of that sense of community that Marie was mentioning?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think one thing that really helps to grow that is the fact that we do sit down and eat together after we've had a rehearsal. So in sort of normal times, you know, pre-COVID, when we were having in-person rehearsals, after every rehearsal, after every yeah every week we'd we'd sit down and eat a meal together, which would be cooked by some of the volunteers in the choir and okay. I just think you know sharing food and spending that time together is really is a really amazing way to get to know people and to to develop community and friendship and and it does feel like a family to me really the choir and yeah it's 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 a really strong community I think
0: it's something that I've found fascinating watching videos and finding out more about the choir is you know there's a something that's really stood out is the fact that homeless people generally are kind of pushed to the bottom and kind of kept in the dark by society but the thing that seems so beautiful about the choir is that what you're actually doing? It is giving these people not only a community and a common table to share food around, but also a stage and kind of a platform and a light to shine on them for once. Is that something you've always looked to try and achieve from it, Marie?
1: I guess it's become that. Like that wasn't it? Wasn't the original idea? I think, like I say, like the, like what I kind of had got from the choir that I had joined when I'd moved to London was that sort of sense of community and. And the performances, I guess, are kind of like the, you know, the, the cherry on top of the icing, on top of the cake sort of thing. Um, but actually, I think quite, again, sort of quite early on, we realised that that the, the kind of public perception of of the homeless, I'm going to put in inverted commas, because it's one of our pet hates as a phrase, basically, like this kind yes. of homogenous mass of, of uh, you know, like all the same sort of people sort of thing. Um can be challenged through performance basically, and, and actually, what you get if you come to one of our gigs is, is as I'm sure Sal, you'll agree is that kind of joy basically, and and um, and uh, and total kind of like incredible bravery and, and like that, like sort of um, fruit from soloists who kind of you know really got uh, you know, kind of been through tough times and then have got a lot of balls to just kind of you know be, be there owning the stage basically and and that sense of community also uh you get this incredible kind of support from you can see you can see the support that's coming from some choir members towards other choir members sort of thing as as they step up to take a solo or as they're kind of because some people are you know quite obviously nervous and their and their friends are supporting them sort of thing so i think after after a little while like after a few years we recognized that that was almost a duty i think was to sort of challenge people's perceptions of what they were expecting in a way from one of our um from one of our gigs so that's become you know more of a strategic
0: uh, aim i think over the years yeah and Sal, you mentioned you know being sat round a table sh- sharing meals with, with you know people who are part of this community and family that you're part of. What what kind of people come through the door? What kind of people? You know, what what stories have they got that that mean that you know they become part of your family? I think what I love is that,
2: like Marie says, it's it's such a diverse group of people. Um, it's it's impossible to to say it's it's this kind of person or it's that kind of person it's it's people from all areas of the city and all ages ethnicities you know it's um and people that have yeah completely different experiences of life and um and i think something about the choir that for me is that you know home isn't just about isn't just about the houses that we live in it is also about the f- the family and the community that the 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 choir that it feels like the choir is you know being part
0: of i think marie that's that's quite a lot of pressure um maybe you don't feel like it is or not, but you know what Sal's describing there is an incredibly valuable emotion and and a valuable state of mind to be able to put people in do do you feel pressure in any way that you know this incredible feeling that you're providing so many people with that it's kind of it's something you've created and you need to maintain
1: I, I don't feel the pressure of maintaining that that sense of community or that sense of belonging I mean it's really it's really lovely to hear you say that Sal actually like that kind of sense of home I think is so powerful like that's you know it's what we all need isn't it effectively a a place to belong yeah um and that does you know we've we've got a a model at the moment where you know the way that we've set it up that happens basically and and I'm so I trust that now because it's happened you know again and again as we've set new choirs up and we've we've got four at the moment we were about to set up one in Cardiff as well so that will be the fifth city um and as i say the way that we run things at the moment it's all down to getting the right people in place in the first place to kind of get it off the ground i guess so so we we recruit our choir directors and our choir managers as sort of two two members of staff around each uh each choir and those people need to be i mean we we tend to recruit based on um uh, people's values and their kind of ability to make other people feel good about themselves if you know what I mean rather than right. necessarily on their kind of concrete experience although obviously you know decent experience in them is is really helpful as well but so for our choir directors for example like like they need to be good musicians but they also need to be really really good at creating that sense of community and holding that community and and, um, and supporting people effectively and and that's something that you know that we'd never compromise on effectively so i i guess i do feel pressure but i don't feel that pressure if you're something because it's just it just happens and that's incredibly rewarding we're, we're approaching we're, we're going to be launching a new strategy soon and, and under that we're trying out new ways of working to see if we can um create a model that's a bit more cost effective if like basically and, and we're going to be trialing that out in a in another couple of places and that that will be really interesting because i think as i say like the model that we've got we know it works we know we we know that the most important thing which is that sense of community comes out of that model effectively and of out of getting the right people in in post um so yeah as we kind of develop new ways of working i think that'll be really interesting and i'll definitely feel some some pressure of of that basically because if we were to get that right then then hopefully we can look at scaling up more quickly basically and, and seeing choir and their names pop up all over the place which would be amazing
0: that, that um, would be awesome
1: yeah yeah it really would so I guess I feel it you know and I, I feel the, the same a bit, a bit of and in terms of pressure I guess I feel the same um uh, I feel the same pressures that most uh, organizations or most le- leaders of organizations would feel in terms of you know employing people and continuing to em- employ them and and um and And not letting the projects fall by the wayside because they mean
2: an awful lot to an awful lot of people I think something something else about the choir that um is really good is although you know there's a there's a choir manager and a choir director in each choir there's also a really strong team of volunteers who really support support the director and the manager and support the members as well and also there's the ambassadors and there's also a couple of choir reps within each choir so i think some of the responsibility is sort of shared out a bit and there is a bit of a sense of ownership because of that which i think is a really good model
0: you've clearly got a fabulous team of people
2: yeah definitely and i think sort of moving forward getting members more involved as well is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to just, it's going to strengthen that even more, really.
0: So how many members are involved with the choir? How many people do you get to come to each rehearsal, but pre-COVID?
1: Uh, pre, so, yeah, pre-COVID we had about um, 200 people, turn, like sort of 200 to 250 people sort of turning up each week, but that's a kind of, uh, and each choir would have about, um, sort of a third to a half of the people that are on their register there every week if you know what I mean so it's a kind of yes. much wider group of people that you're working with in total um, but that but that, yeah across the, the four cities that would be the amount of people turning up each week and then after and then and then when Covid hit like we've kind of rehearsed in various different ways this year like so we've been online like Sal was saying for a lot of the year which has been Uh, has its own challenges and it's quite frustrating i think for for the choir directors and and for the choir members and and volunteers and well everybody (laughs) um but uh but we've also you know while we were able to we were rehearsing outdoors together and and we we met up in groups of six for a while and you know we've got basically as soon as the guidelines change we've changed with them and just done what done whatever we could but i think we've probably engaged with i don't know like in like in in terms of actually seeing them regularly probably about 40 to 50% of the people that we would have in person basically which is not actually that bad when when um you know when you, when when you bear in mind that some that a lot of the people that we, we would have seen at rehearsals don't have online access basically and and uh so that's another thing we did this year was was launch this digital inclusion um project to try and improve our choir members um You know, uh, access to the internet basically so that we could see more of them uh, as a a primary objective, but so that they could also see more of their friends and family and access all the things that, that a lot of us take for granted.
0: And I guess, Sal, as somebody who you know, you stress the value and the beauty that comes from the family connection that you get from the choir during a time of such heightened isolation that we've all been through, I guess that that's kind of shown even more the value hasn't it to to someone like yourself that the choir provides that sense of family and connection and community when everybody is kind of feeling so isolated
2: well definitely I think
0: I think we've actually kind of grown
2: stronger over the last year and got to know each other better in a lot of ways and have really yeah developed our friendships and our just yeah, just become like a, a, a stronger group really. Even though it's been so challenging and and like Marie says, there are there are people who are finding it hard to be included because of the digital issues. But I think in other ways, yeah, we've we've grown closer and got to know each other in in yeah, because we've sort of needed to rely on each other in different ways, I guess. And it's it's we've got to know each other in different ways. So I think there's been positives as well as the challenges yeah, sure. over the last year.
0: And obviously, hopefully once we get back to a position where we can fill rooms full of amazing singers, um, you know, you'd hope that the tables will be full again of meals being shared. Um, it's quite a lot of people to be providing food for. How does that work? Do you have restaurants that work with you guys or how does that work?
1: it's slightly different in every city actually like in london we we partner with an organization called city harvest who um who uh distribute um waste food basically or food that's going to go to waste and um i think that has its challenges because sometimes you don't know what's going to turn up basically but uh right. but um uh but the london team have, have worked with them really really brilliantly but it tends to it, it is just down to our amazing volunteers like sal was saying basically who, who um you kind of have a rotor to decide who's going to cook that week, basically, and and then somebody cooks, and a couple of people help them in the kitchen. And and uh, I mean, yeah, in London, we're feeding you know upwards of seventy people in in um, in in one space basically, which is and crazy. all completely you know untrained <laughs> untrained <laughs> people. In Birmingham, we're lucky enough to have a, one of our volunteers as a chef, and she quite regularly does the uh, the chefing slots basically. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're uh, but we don't have that everywhere, so it's just down to brilliant people being kind of really can do and and uh you know getting on with it basically
0: yeah i'd love to come and you know take part in some of this and, and see it live but there's definitely for the benefit of your members i'm not sure they'd want my cooking <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the first first time jake just come and eat with us and then the next time, <laughs> the next time you
0: know, yeah uh, the food would not be the way you'd build up trust with me that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> so um I mean, it's it's fabulous seeing the journey of where you know choir With their name has grown from to where it is now. And Marie, if you if you could, uh, and Sal too, but I guess Marie can go even further back here. Could you talk us through some of the highlights that you've had from the choir so far? Because it's been on you know a hell of a journey that's seen it featured on you know some some of the biggest media outlets in the world.
1: Yeah, it has been an incredible journey. And and, uh, I mean, the the first few years were feel like looking back were were an incredible roller coaster that I didn't really appreciate at the time, I think. Um, So, I mean, actually, the very first thing that happened in terms of media was that after about four weeks of rehearsals, we got approached by the BBC. I don't know how they found out about us, actually. Anyway... And um, And asked. Us, so they were. They were kind of saying they were doing some weird documentary and following a volunteer who wanted to work in homelessness services and stuff. Anyway, it turned out to be the Secret Millionaire. Do you, do you remember that show?
0: <laughs> I, I and, actually uh, saw. I watched the clip on YouTube at the moment he announced it to you. It was brilliant.
1: It's um yeah, and that so that was like really a strange start. And I'd said because it was so grassroots at that point that I was kind of I had no idea how much it was going to even cost to run a choir for the year like, like I say we'd been going for a few weeks basically and he asked me on camera like oh, so how much would it be to to run the choir for a year and i said i don't know probably about five grand or something and that was kind of basically that was how much it was going to cost to feed people not and uh, no, not to kind of staff it or hire a venue or do any of the things that i've realized that you need to pay for since then so he gave us five grand because the and he said to me at the time he was like i knew you were going to need more than that but the director wouldn't let me give you any more because of what i'd said on cat because of what you said on camera oh no <laughs> anyway he uh, he did give us a bit more money after that, but not that much. Anyway, that's. Uh, um, but yeah, that was kind of a bit of a strange start, really, and then it kind of all got a bit crazy after that. So we did. Uh, we partnered with Prices uh, the next year and did some gigs supporting Coldplay. That was a real highlight. Wow. Um, one in Liverpool actually, and and then another in Newcastle. Um, and then, but actually, the highlights for me aren't aren't usually the kind of big kind of glory moments I guess like that I mean that was a real you know it was a real trip and and a really kind of amazing bonding experience for, there was only about I think 15 people in the choir and then a handful of volunteers and me sort of thing at that point and you know like we went on a road trip basically like it was really you know really fun um but the the highlights are always moments in rehearsal I think which is going to sound quite cheesy but it but it's the sort of stuff like. Um, like really transformative moments for individuals, I think, and and um, kind of getting to know people better and and recognising what value the, the choir is having in their personal journey, which is like, you know, it just feels like a real privilege at times, and and um, uh, yeah, and and um, it's kind of what it's all there for. So I guess that's those are usually the highlights, but then the kind of other ones, I guess, are, are that. Um, have been like over the years. There's been some really great performances. So we did a, every Christmas. We try and get all of the choirs together. Oh. Um, which is becoming more and more expensive as the <laughs> choirs get bigger and we add more of them basically but we did we did we've done some really good Christmas ones haven't we Sal and we we did yeah. um so we'd had the festival hall like a couple of years well, that might be like 2015 now I've kind of lost half of my years I think but um yeah but, like those sort of things have been have been really fantastic and um and then in terms of you know funding we like um uh had some really great backers, and and uh, we were mentioning just before we that we recorded, weren't we, Jake, about Comic Relief supporting us yeah. recently, and one of our Birmingham choir members being on this um like incredible journey and challenge to walk 100k for the the Comic Relief uh team challenge this this year. So yeah, it's been it's been amazing, really. Well,
0: thank you for sharing that. There's a, like you say, they're really beautiful moments, and I think it's it's a perfect example of, of the family feel that you create that. You know your special moments are the conversations and the transformations that you see. It's not necessarily always the, the big moments on TV. Um, yeah. and what about yourself, Sal? What What's been? Have you Have you got a moment above all?
2: Oh, <laughs> there's so many, really. Um, and sometimes it is some of the what could look like smaller moments of of just yeah being in rehearsal with people and um, having a go at a solo which, you know, might be might feel terrifying, but even just in a rehearsal, just, you know, singing on your own and having the courage to do it and feeling supported to do that is amazing. And and then I guess some of the bigger moments are, yeah, the Christmas gigs have been just been fantastic just to be with all the choirs together. It's, it's just amazing. And something else which I really loved being involved with, I don't know if, you know
0: that we recorded a single? Yes, I do. I, I listened to it.
2: Oh forgotten about that. Well done Sam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you beat me to it. I was coming up to that.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that was that was just such a good experience, like the whole thing, the recording of it, the the Yeah, just all of it was great. And I think the sort of message around it, you know, that again like we're not this kind of homogenous group of the homeless that it's you know that we are all individuals and that we've all got different lives and um and different reasons for being in the choir and that we we get different things from being in the choir and it's yeah it's a creative it's a creative space for people to be and I think I think it's really important to, to yeah, to keep breaking down the stigma basically, and and to say this this is me. I'm not I'm not who you think I might be, and and to do something so just something so creative with all the the rest of the the choirs together was was just amazing. It was really beautiful.
0: Wow, yeah, they're, they're fabulous moments, and I mean, it must have been so surreal when you rec- mm. when you released that single to think you know had you not life's journey not put you on the path to to you know join the choir with no name that that moment would probably have never happened
2: Mm, no no I'd never imagined being in a recording studio and releasing a single definitely
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you talked a little bit there about you know breaking down stigmatisms and whilst you know you don't want the choir to be exclusively for you know using the word homeless but there are clearly a lot of motives behind trying to tackle homelessness as a problem Um, and I saw on your website there's a a really nice line that says homelessness is a systematic problem not a personal affliction so something I I like to ask on the podcast is we have guests who um, throughout their journeys have been exposed to various different problems that you know, there's always, thankfully, there's there's guests like yourself that are always looking to tackle those problems. Um, so I'd like to ask this question to you both. I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Marie. Um, what do you think's got to change or what's got to happen to try and improve the homelessness issue?
1: That's a big question. There's, and, and, uh, and I'm not an expert in this before, you know, that the, the um, I think I've, I've, I've worked sort of in and around the homelessness sector for, for a long time, but I'm not a you know, I'm not a policy expert at this point, at all. Um, but I think, you know, the the kind of um, one of the things that's that's very widely understood to be part of the problem is the lack of affordable housing, basically. And and because there's nowhere for people to go or to move on from once they're in the kind of hostel system, there's no, you know, there's no social housing effectively for people to move on into. The whole the whole system is stuck basically. So uh, so there's very little space or capacity within it. Um, I think that the, uh, we, we've recently become an, uh, um, involved with a, a group of, or a kind of alliance of organisations called the New System Alliance. And um, that alliance is about recognising that the system itself is broken, effectively, and, and it's broken because, you know, there aren't enough affordable houses, but it's also broken because of the way that homelessness services are commissioned. So, um so, and and they have sort of specific problems with the fact that people are labelled so clearly as soon as they enter the system. So if you're somebody who is homeless, or if you're somebody who is experiencing mental health challenges, or or kind of whatever it is, then you need to fit a certain box to access a certain service, basically. And, and as soon as you are kind of put in that box, it's actually quite difficult to climb out of it, I think. And, and therefore, you're uh, and i'm i'm sort of you know i'm 'm sort of generalizing, but I think for a lot of people, their personal narrative becomes about that box that they 've been put in so because you have to go to so many different services and explain your situation, your story becomes you know I am homeless i I have a mental health problem or i'm i'm I have an addiction or you know whatever it is and and the new system Alliance and we are very much about talking to people instead about their their aspirations and what they want out of life and their joy and their uh you know and, and relationships and you know all of that sort of stuff basically which the rest of you know the rest of society takes for granted like it's um you know that that's kind of you know when you're at school and you're asked what you want to do with your life it's it's uh it's all much very focused on the future if you know what I mean so yes so that's part of the that's part of the problem as well um and I think the more that we as an organization can kind of really sort of focus on on people's aspirations and strengths and and sal mentioned there that our our kind of new strategy is sort of looking to involve our choir members much more in running our services basically and and in um kind of supporting them to have the skills to to run the choir the way that they want to run it basically and in that way we're hoping that we can um uh you know like work with people on those aspirations and and potentially get them some really good experience that they can use in the rest of their lives um so yeah I don't we certainly don't have a the answers to what the problem is really or or b the the the, um the the wherewithal to solve all of it but I think what we can do is is as I say kind of look at that positive aspect of people's lives and really talk to them about what they love and what they love doing and, and bond over the kind of good stuff like music and eating together and and that kind of thing basically
0: yeah like you say it's a very tough question but I mean everything you said makes perfect sense, and it's achievable things that you mentioned. Um, what yeah. about yourself, Sal? What are your thoughts?
2: Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know if I've got much to add, to be honest, or or how to answer that right now. But I think, I think there's, there's something about, um, I don't know. It, I guess it can it it, it it does link with what you were saying, Marie, about somebody might be seen as either, you know it I sometimes feel like there's not a very holistic or kind of I don't know, intersectional um way of kind of supporting people. Like so, it's either yeah. it's it's either, you know, you're yeah, you've got an addiction or you've you've got this or you've got that, but actually it's all it's all connected, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah.
1: that's, and that's one of the things that the new system alliance talk about is the fact that you know a person is one person and their their problems aren't divided in a kind of really neat way but because of the way that services are commissioned like so if, so because because a service will be commissioned as either an addiction service or a mental health service or, or kind of whatever it is basically like that person ends up having to tell that same story to loads of different services who aren't talking to each other and it's just so. Yeah. Honest, right, i think and i yeah, think no, that's
0: interesting
2: and that kind of happens in so many aspects of our society like within sort of healthcare as well you know like I've I've got a chronic pain issue and I've had mental health issues and both of those things have massively impacted upon each other and Mm -hmm. I and I I can't really separate out kind of mental health and physical health anymore I I think it's all just health yeah and we've got to stop you know kind of Yeah, dividing it all up and thinking that, you know, one person can sort of sort something out. You know, it it all needs to be looked at together. I think. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's a really, really interesting thoughts that you both have. Um, Thank you for sharing those. Um, Before I get on to my last question, there was one other thing that's a little lighter than trying to understand societal changes um mm-hmm. what do i do if i'm not a very good singer can i still
2: join <laughs> uh, do you want to answer that sal <laughs> um, well i i challenge i i challenge that and say what does that even mean good you know what is a good singer anyway and um yeah i i think everybody everybody is welcome and it's not about you know if if you're good or not and i i heard this beautiful quote the other day um i'm not sure who he is I, i'd like to find out more about who he is but henry van dyke um and okay i'm just finding it now it says um the woods would be very silent if no birds sang except those that sang best i just think that that's so beautiful
0: yes
2: it really is and it's so true isn't it you know if if we just if we only allowed people who think that they're the best to make the noise then it would just be really boring and 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 silent and <laughs> so it's yeah it's a really beautiful quote
1: and actually it's so kind of it's so good because all of us i think have got a little bit of uh, like for some reason we seem to be trained to only pipe up if you're really sure of something or if you know or if you really and there's a you know um but yeah it's, and so and that's a really good really good question as well sal to say well what is what is a good sinella like, what does that mean exactly because i think like and, and th- i think you get this from our gigs as well like like somebody might not have a voice that the the kind of trained singing world would recognize as you know perfect basically but right. they but everybody's voice has got so much of their individual personality in it effectively that that's what you get from from the performances is that kind of sense of who that person is and what they you know and and, and what and uh and what their joys and passions and challenges are or whatever it's um and i think that you get that from from the kind of characterful nature of our
0: choir members' voices,
1: much more than you would get from a professional
0: choir. It's a beautifully kind of inclusive way to look at it, and um, I'm going to hold you to that quote, Sal, because if you do ever hear me, you'll know that I'm that bird that doesn't have the good voice. <laughs>
1: oh no! It's one of those birds in the woods, Jake, that needs to let
2: it let it all out.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'll go to the woods by myself first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if a tree falls and there's no one there to hear it does it make a noise <laughs> exactly um, but also I
0: think an... just just yeah, standing sure. up
2: just standing up and singing is an empowering thing and it's a healing mm-hmm. thing and it, it, it has it has a huge impact on on us and, and to be able to support each other to do that I think is also just a, a really powerful thing
0: yeah no it's fabulous it really is and you know just feeling the energy off you guys and the positivity you have around it it's fantastic and i can completely see why the community and the family spirit like where that comes from it's it's fabulous um so i'll leave you both with our final question that we'd like to ask each of our guests on the podcast we'd like to find out about something or someone that has inspired them throughout their lives so we'd like to know marie and sal who or what has inspired you
1: I have got uh, so my um there's there's I wasn't I haven't prepared myself particularly well for this question so I off so the um, uh, but just off the top of my head like in terms of people like it comes back to actually Sal you've been incredibly inspiring on this call so that's the oh. I really love oh. that quote really love the way that you that you kind of articulate your feelings about fire so that kind of, that, that sort of. Um, that's, you know that's that's brilliant. There's a guy who founded the gospel choir I was in, who's a dear friend of mine now, who is the most compassionate and um, I don't know how to put it. Like he basically sees, without even knowing that he's doing it, he kind of sees talent and in in people, and then really nurtures it in this kind of incredibly compassionate and and inspiring way. And his his name's Miko Gedroits. He's really um uh yeah a fantastic guy um so definitely been an inspiration in lots of ways and musically i'm a massive pj harvey fan and she'll always be an
0: inspiration to me okay. oh yes i love her too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that and what about yourself sal um well
2: i'd like to read I'd, there's a little section i'd like to read from a book that um it it's I mean, I, the author, I don't know if you're familiar with Rebecca Solnit. She's she's an amazing not, writer. She's a feminist writer and she's written all sorts of different books. I think maybe one of my favourite books of hers that I've read is a book of essays called Men Explain Things to Me. But um, I'd just like to read a, a tiny bit from her book Hope in the Dark. Uh, it's kind of about, well, it's about... Keeping hope and um, and being able to make change in the world, and I I I personally sometimes just feel overwhelmed with like all the all the darkness in the world, and you know climate change and racism and all that you know everything that is going on can be just so overwhelming and disempowering, and and it really helps me to just to try and remember that, like, even the tiny, tiny things we do, or, or things that might feel tiny to us, are still really important. And, um, and they, and they can still make a difference, even if we don't, even if we don't know what difference they can make, or we don't ever see any change from, from the actions we take, we, they could still be making that change so I'll stop rambling and I'll read <laughs>
0: I'll No, read it is fabulous, bit.
2: keep going um, Hang on, I'll just find my glasses here we go So she writes I once read an anecdote by someone in Women's Strike for Peace, who was the first great anti-nuclear movement in the U- in the United States The woman from WSP told of how foolish and futile she felt standing in the rain one morning protesting at the Kennedy White House. Years later she heard Dr. Benjamin Spock, who had become one of the most high-profile activists on the issue, say that the turning point for him was spotting a small group of women standing in the rain protesting at the White House. If they were so passionately committed, he thought, he should give the issue more consideration himself. So I don't know. I just think that little bit just sort of sums up that we never know, you know, what what we do, where it might lead, or who else it could inspire, or or just you know, even like that butterfly effect or anything like that. I just think it's really important to feel even little tiny things can make a difference, even when we're not sure if they can or not.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's a that's a beautiful quote and. I think it comes at a very, a very important time when there are issues that mm. feel like you say it's almost overwhelming. They come left, right, and center in every direction, and it kind of like, well, I don't know where to where to put my efforts or who to be or what's the best mm. way. And yeah. I think, as you guys are both clearly doing so well, if you can get together a community and you know one voice and make as many overwhelmed people feel like they're sharing feeling overwhelmed which you guys are clearly doing and that that's at least the first step in the right direction
1: mm. yeah like you say there's always like there's always more you can do isn't there so I think sometimes we need to take stock and remind ourselves of the things that we have done that that, um, mm. you know, that are a help to people and, and you know give ourselves a well-deserved pat on the back sometimes which we're not we're not very good at as a as a species mm. sometimes
0: well our hope is to take this podcast as a massive pat on the back to you guys, just to highlight the incredible work that you're doing and to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Oh,
1: thanks so much for having us, Jake. I've really enjoyed yeah. the
2: conversation. Yeah, thank you. It's been really good.
0: There are almost 8 billion people on our planet, and Marie and Sal are both one of the eight. You can discover more about the outstanding work that Founder Marie and Ambassador Sal are doing with The Choir With No Name online at oneofthe Everyone has a story to share. Everyone has something to give. Everyone can inspire. One of the Eight is a movement of real world people from across the globe, sharing real life stories, inspiring others, Enriching lives and giving something back. I am. You are. Everyone is. One of the eight. Now streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join the movement at oneoftheeight.com.